Yo, this is V, aka Burning English, once again. And shout out to everybody on the West Coast. And uh, thank you to all you guys. This is the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. You can find it on Spotify under Spikey Bebop. S P I K E E B E B O P. What's up? Shouts out to you guys. Uh, I started not to do a podcast today, but I felt that, you know, as a writer, I always chime in on many different things and uh, inevitably chiming in on today of all days uh, would be that. So thank you guys for supporting the art. And uh, the more and more you guys support, the more intricate it becomes. And it is not a joke that I say that. Um, I literally get to, you know, interject and put different things and different combinations at different time intervals and all these other different things for for my, my work and my art. And I, I'm just super appreciative that I get to show uh, a little bit of that vision uh, just by speaking with you guys. And it's not something, you know, entirely based off of ego. Uh, the ego is only placing my name on it. And that is all for business and commerce because I have to. Uh, in America, but uh, just as a gift to, you know, as a writer, uh, to bestow something to other writers as a spark of creativity is inevitably uh, one of my greatest goals to have that imagination and to understand how, you know, important it is uh, to have that eye for, you know, your surroundings and that awareness. And for me, uh, in today, you know, in days and age, I was just thinking about this as to what my podcast would be today. And, <laughs> like, obviously, you know, I love my wife and I love my son. And, you know, there's so many different funny, hilarious moments that happen to me on a daily basis. But uh, romantic comedies was the first thing that came to mind. And I'm a nerd. So first and foremost, anybody, apologies, this also doubles as a writer's room. So if anybody is interested, you know, as to what a writer does on a day-to-day and uh, not under, you know, the duress of an editor or a publishing house, uh, how does he go and, you know, independently go and do their work, uh, then inevitably I have a template for, you know, others and a conversation and it opens uh, an air for that genre for other artists uh, to feel comfortable and show how they uh, go about their day-to-days as well. Now, back to the subject. Okay. Now, you know, I understand nothing. <laughs> and always have. And I understood that, you know, at a young age. And so I was always very observant and very, you know, quiet when it came to certain things. And, you know, television, I, would, I was thinking about this, ironically, that I learned, you know, nonverbal communication and you know, different cues and different social situations just from television alone. And other people obviously experience these things in real life in different uh, circumstances. But for me, you know, as a kid, you know, from the 90s and from the 80s and, you know, observing these things, uh, it kind of, you know, was a rendition of certain things that I didn't have to experience because I had already seen these crazy, you know, extremes on television. And that was before the advent of, you know, real world uh, television or reality television. And to me, 
the thing is, like, if you look at two romantic comedies or, you know, those grand, grand uh, television shows or movies that we love, uh, it started with, you know, Claudette Colbert and uh, this other guy, uh, Clark Gable. Excuse me, Clark Gable. And this was, uh, it happened one night. And if you've ever seen this film, it's from the 1930s. I'm butchering when the year uh, it actually dropped. But it was definitely around that second age of film where, you know what I'm saying, people were putting sound to uh, the movements and their, their mouths. And it really was a great, you know, template. And all other, you can look at this and you can actually fact check me on, you know, all of the romantic comedies have some basis or pay homage to this one piece of film. You know, the, the build-up, the introduction of the, the Doty daughter uh, with a rich dad and stuff like this, and then the guy attempting to take advantage but doesn't take advantage and then returns her, and then they inevitably fall in love. Like, that's no spoiler alert. Like, there's many different, you know, renditions of uh, the comedic value and not even slapstick because those are different elements like I was mentioning before and it's really like a really good movie uh, if you've ever seen it and uh, if you haven't uh, definitely take the time out to watch uh, it happened one night and it played and this is me playing off of my Turner classic movies like I actually you know am Ben Wakewitz or something like this and you know, have talked to the producers and, you know, film editors and things that have made these films, but I'm just a film appreciator and uh, I'm a watcher, you know, I'm from a different generation, a different time, different, you know, universe when it comes to, you know, appreciating uh, drama or appreciating uh, acting or even uh, things on a visual format, which correlate uh, kind of, you know, coinciding if you want to be a writer of that genre. But just as, you know, an appreciator, uh, it's kind of watching something with your eyes and then observing these things that, you know, people may uh, miss. And I was mentioning this earlier today, too. I was like, yo, if somebody, you know, looks at something and then, you know, they blink their eye and then, it, you know, inevitably they look at it again and it's different. Uh, that's what I, you know, observe these movies as. And that goes for all the movies, but definitely the ones that, have a sense of substance to them and uh this is back in the 1930s so this is over like 70 years ago uh, into how the genre has manifested today and uh there's another interesting film called uh, you people and uh I, I usually as i say on my podcast and this is to talk about my book and how it ties into it but this inevitably is really really an interesting conversation of the differences between us and, you know, these are the things we learn at when we're like in kindergarten, but they persist, you know what I'm saying? And people obviously uh, have it as a feigning of ignorance, but it's not. And then, you know, say the inevitable awkward conversation that happens uh, when someone tells someone that they are different. And uh, those are the cool things that I love and appreciate if you're like, guess who's coming to dinner? And uh, that's a classic one with Sidney Poitier and I think it was like Captain Hepburn and uh, Spencer Tracy and a couple other people. But uh, it's a real, you know, interpretive way of looking at this whole thing of how people dynamically play off of uh, the male and female role. 
and I'm not super like nerdy with it and I'm being very you know like layman's terms with people so I don't overcomplicate it but as a writer I always take these cues and I always appreciate you know different time periods and the things that us as a society bring to the forefront uh, that we want to make of note and uh, whether it is an emotion of invoking of love uh, love is so you know plentiful <laughs> I mean you could read a poetry a genre on it and you would endlessly have a scroll uh, through a search engine just from trying to find uh, the definition of what many people have defined it as but through film and through a writer and how to approach such an insurmountable subject is your own calling you know what I'm saying like how do you you know start the summit of the mountain of love well, you inevitably, you got to do your own self-research and then uh, you come to that realization of what it is that you want to represent or what it is that you want to uh, show through experience of all the things and conversations through your work. And if not, you know, uh, showing the lack thereof or whatever it is that one chooses to do as a writer. It, it's, once again, uh, so many levels to it. And as, you know, a writer and amongst many, many other writers, you know, and my peers, uh, the point is not to be, you know, the this <laughs> or to have this genre that. It's to clearly convey, you know, through your message what it is that you have. The uniqueness will inevitably drip from what it is that you're saying. If it's funny, it's going to be funny to everyone. If it's like you know, unique, it will find its uniqueness and its time and place. And for many different people, I always look at, you know, as to what they're saying. And if it's similar to something else, it's not my first initial, you know, uh, goal in looking at a film. And so even if I'm looking at you, you know, saying like you people, like I'll eventually get around to it. But I, you know, many people have already, you know, slammed it and I was just like, dang, like, you know, <laughs> give something the time to, to breathe and give something uh, the opportunity to have its, you know, place and, and then, you know, come with that sense of relevancy. And, and that's what I, I will wait for that film. But I would definitely check it out. Uh, definitely watch, um, what is this? It Happened One Night. And I'm looking into, like, just other genres, you know what I'm talking about, like, uh, that I can utilize and influence my story in itself. Uh, basically, what I'm doing, uh, this is 2023, so I'm uh, showing what it was uh, that I was working on in the first book. But then, two, updating people what I'm working on in the fifth book and how all these crazy instances of what I'm looking at and watching uh, influence the stories uh, today. And uh, it was one story that I had uh, in my first book, now that I'm thinking about it, that I may update, where this dude, and basically in the story, uh, everyone forgets their memories. But then at the beginning, you know what I'm saying, like it's that initial uh, aha moment where people are speaking with one another and, you know, having this mass congregation versus going out raping and pillaging. And, you know, these people are, I, I've versed them and, and had them in the setting of living at the tops of trees. And so they're living over the top of these trees, they are dressed, they're clothed, they know that they're, you know, somewhat of a society, and so they start piecing together and, uh, you know, through language, uh, defining what it is that, you know, is their society and what's going on. 
Now, all the while this is going on, there's a gentleman who remembers this woman, and <laughs> it was trippy because he was like, you know, walking and he felt like something was missing, or I, I wrote it that way, and then he remembered her, and then so he started like, you know, all these other memories started flooding back in, his blood started, you know, uh, lighting back up again, everything, you know, started clicking. And so he walks up to her, and this is not, you know, I'm saying a regular woman, it's a beautiful woman. And literally, I wrote this in the first book of my story, Hair Colors to Kill Sounds, and she for doesn't know who he is. And he explains to her, he's going, and, you know, many men would obviously do this to her because she is beautiful, but this he's doing this in all honesty. <laughs> and she still doesn't recognize him, and so then... You know, I said that initial uh, feeling of this woman not remembering him is what I leave as the first book. And I don't think I updated it in the second book, but I left it just as that. Uh, you know, I say her explaining to him in a very matter of fact, you know, notion and almost, and I wanted it to be in a comedic fashion, and that's why I'm thinking of it now, where I may update it in the fifth book. But she really had a practical you know, analysis to it without being cruel and, you know, reiterating to him that everyone had forgotten their memories and then even still, you know, placing that on her while other people are, you know, going around and yelling things at the same time. Uh, how could she remember him if she didn't come and first say it first? And so um, he has, you know, the mental breakdown and things like this and uh, he inevitably has no rebuttal just to explain other than that his memories don't lie. You know what I'm saying? If he says this, you know what I'm saying? That he knows this without a shadow of doubt, you know, that these memories are not made up, then, you know, it's like an impasse. Like, they're both right. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, verse that to people if they don't know uh, what it was that I was working on. And just to go back into comedy and then uh, combine it with romantic comedy, I'm going to definitely include that in the next book. Uh, I also... Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, in the first book, I also had this uh, character named Rococo. And Rococo was really, really dope. Like, I really, you know, adapted her name from Coco Chanel, but then just, you know, readapted into the Rococo style. And um, I wanted that to be influenced, you know what I'm saying, as I don't know anything of fashion. <laughs> I don't know anything of, you know, renditions of anything of any sort. I don't know any names. I don't know any time periods. I don't even know what kind of clothes I got on right now. But I wanted to pay homage to this, you know, by naming this character as such. And from there, I didn't even name the other male character. But I wanted to give some hint towards, you know, this rom romanticism or romantic value, but it always, you know, inevitably ended in comedy because of that one uh, damning quality, uh, everyone forgetting their memories. And so this case of mass amnesia uh, weighs heavy uh, just on characters waking up and doing things in their first uh, few moments and instances and realizing <laughs> that that, you know, moment has happened. And so uh, it's just, I, I place this in another setting and I wanted it not to be super Dr. Susie or nothing, you know, like super fanciful, but definitely uh, noticing and noticeably know uh, by the reader uh, and knowing that these are not uh, universal settings in America. Like these are not settings that you would have on planet Earth. 
And in any instance, if anyone was questioning, it was definitely a science fiction book that they were reading. And, uh, you know, not as just a dreamscape, but something that, you know, would entice the imagination. And so uh, I am not invented, but just had a realm or a place where there was a giant uh, pit. And the pit was just insanely large, and then it was full of, you know, buildings. And I was sitting there, and I was like, yo, if I have all of these things in the building, like, how would I all... And then, you know, Wizard of Oz came up where the buildings were, like, knocking into one another and, you know, just proverbially floating. But uh, I'll get back to that, and you can add the comedic value on that. But uh, definitely, uh, I'll name this one. It happened one night. And check out Claudette Colbert and Clark Gable. Uh, do yourself a favor uh, for Hollywood researching, for anybody on L.A., Anybody, I guess, you know, into romanticism and into, you know, something funny to chill and uh, smoke weed to. And no, I'm not profane of smoking weed. Please, if anyone save all the trees for me, don't, don't burn trees. Save them for me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> definitely check that out. And uh, I'll get back to you guys. This is V, a.k.a. Brother English. Peace.